Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Today's episode, the very first one of 2017. Now, we talk about every year being the best year ever, so I thought that there was no better way to start off 2017, which is to start at the very top and start with a bang. I am so excited today to have somebody with us who's been on the Business Creators Radio Show before, somebody who's been a friend of mine, somebody who's been a mentor of mine, somebody who's been a client of my company. Uh, 2017 will be the 10th year of our relationship together, somebody who has been so inspirational and who I know has changed the lives of so many people that I know personally and has given me the distinct honor of speaking on stages at the Dream Business Academy. Based on that, you probably know who I'm talking about, Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. Just to tell you a little bit about Jim, if you don't know who he is, he's a marketing and business building expert and in-demand coach, founder of Dream Business Academy. Next one's coming up in Orlando, February 8th, 9th, and 10th, Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. He is the host of Dream Business Coach TV, the hit weekly TV show watched by thousands of entrepreneurs and small business owners, and he is also the host of the weekly Stick Like Glue podcast, which is based on his unique brand of smart marketing and business building strategies. Jim is best known internationally as the Dream Business Coach and creator of No Hassle Newsletters, the ultimate done-for-you newsletter marketing program used by hundreds of clients in nine countries. Jim, once again, welcome aboard. How you doing, Adam? Thanks for having me on your inaugural uh, show for 2017. Quite an honor. Thank you. Oh, the, the honor and the pleasure are all mine. So happy to have you here. And what I'd like to do, because we have so much information we want to share with our audience today, is I just want to kind of get right into it. Now, Let's dive before, right in and share some nuggets. All right. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of today's topic, uh, which is how a dream business provides a dream lifestyle, uh, I want to rewind just a little bit. Now, you have a book, one of my favorite books, and I think I have about five copies of it sitting on my bookshelf along with my lineup of all the other Jim Palmer books, because I have multiple copies of every single one of them, called Decide the Ultimate Success Trigger. Uh, readers of my blog, The Morning Adam, will see the photograph of my cat, Stella, reading the Decide book, and she has her paw on page 99, one of my favorite business books. Now, in that book, you talk a lot about the importance of making fast decisions. Tell us more about why that's important when we're taught by so many people that we need to be so deliberate and so cautious about things. Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know the story, but um, so the book's actually been out uh, for two years. We relaunched it with uh, two additional chapters a year ago, but about the, a year previous to writing it, you know, I, I do probably uh, 12 to 20 interviews a month. And on one of the interviews, Adam, somebody asked me a, one of the what's the one thing question. I was getting ready. What's the one book? What's your one quote? What's your one this, that, or the other thing? And I'm saying, here we go. And they said, what's the one word that most describes the difference between highly successful entrepreneurs and ordinary entrepreneurs? And I said the word decide. And they go, what do you mean by that? And I said, what I have found from studying, you know, and, and working with and coaching with, being mentored by and mentoring some really great entrepreneurs, they have an ability, um, I sometimes call it an uncanny ability to recognize whether it's a challenge or an opportunity, question, whatever it is. They look at a situation and they can quickly kind of weigh the pros and cons, the yeses or nos you know, whatever it is, but then they make a decision. They decide, yes, this is good for me, or no, it's not good for me, and they move forward. The, the, that is called being decisive. And I'll tell you one thing. If you want to have a growing, thriving business, um, it needs to be uh, operating with speed and urgency. Indecision is the opposite of that. Now, you know I'm a boater, so I'll, I'll use some nautical language here. That's like throwing an anchor off your stern and trying to get up on plane. And that's what indecision does to a business. Now, indecision, for the most part, takes the shape of, well, I'll think about it. I'll ponder it. I'm going to see how many people I can talk to. I'll run it up the flagpole and see who salutes. I'm going to put it on the back burner, and maybe we'll address it again in six months or a year. 
Now, the, the, the way the business is moving today, especially with changes in social media and things like that, life in general is moving so quickly that if you decide you're going to think about something, that opportunity might pass. And so anyway, that's a probably a little bit too long of an answer for your first question, but that's why being decisive is important. I think that's very good too. Now, what happens if you're decisive and it turns out your decision was a bad one? Well, here's the thing. I believe um, – so let's get um, – let's, let's paint with some words here. I believe your, you, your ability to make decisions is very much like a muscle. And like any muscle, the more you exercise it and use it, the better shape it is. So when you make a lot of decisions, um, you get better at it, right? And so whether – some people may call it your gut, your intuition, spirit, the universe, whatever it is. You pretty much know, if you think about the big decisions you've made in life, and you, your very first gut reaction is either, I think this might be good, or I'm not so sure about this. But the longer you think about it, instead of your gut or intuition or brain taking over, kind of your heart or takes over and says, well, I don't. I know there's a good possibility it's not going to work, but I want to do it anyway. So your intuition, your your ability to make quick decisions, gets better with practice, just like anything. But the other thing about uh, what happens when you can and take fast action is, let's say if you do have a growing and thriving business, you can absorb an occasional wrong decision, and not every decision, very few decisions, in fact, would be life-threatening to your business. And in most cases, you can just adjust course as you move along and and take what might have been a, a slightly uh, fast implementation, change it quick, and and fix it or just alter it. Not every decision you make is going to be, uh, you know, a, a major gaff to the business. So I think in most cases, the people who move quickly are far more rewarded than the people who are slow, deliberate, step-by-step, -step, you know, turtle pace. You know, and that's funny, and many of our listeners know, because I've mentioned this on so many other episodes, that Jim is not only a client of mine, but uh, he's also uh, my premier business coach. And you, know, you and I have spoken in some of our one-on-one -on -one sessions about uh, decisions that I made fairly quickly. Uh, there was a big one I made about a year ago, and I even shared with you how I went through the due diligence. And I went through 17 points of due diligence. It passed every single one of them. I went ahead with it. And the 18th thing, the thing that I, there's no way I could have seen it coming just by rational thought, was the one that cropped up. But what was great about that is I was able to say, okay, this one's a turkey. I'm going to cut my losses right now and move on. And that's what I did. That's right. Now, when when you did that, I remember that exercise. That was about a year ago, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And w when you did that exercise, you did it over the course of a weekend. Now, I'm not saying, do I like this uh, uh, house? Yes, let's buy it. No. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying right. every decision has to be made, you know, with a snap of a finger. But, you know, I mentioned social media changing quick. Imagine if you were somebody who – uh, was thinking of doing – I'm trying to think of the name. I think it was Meerkat, right, the online online streaming video. I think yeah. they came and, and were gone within a year, two years at the most, but let's just say it was a year for the sake of the discussion. Suppose you were, you were getting all your ducks in a row, you're going to start, and then you're going to launch on Meerkat, and suddenly Meerkat's not even a platform that exists anymore. Or there's another one that goes back probably 20 years, but if you were relying on um, fax broadcasting and you're trying to just get every last – um, T crossed and I dotted in your marketing letter. Next thing you know, the government says, hey, there's no more fax broadcasting. It's against the law. Now, those are a couple right. wild examples, if you will, but I have had examples in, in, in my own life. Several years ago, I remember when someone asked me if I would come speak at their event, and this was kind of pre- uh, really being fond of speaking, and you know, I kind of avoided such, but I said, you know what, let me think about it. And um, after I thought about it, after a period of time, and I kind of got my uh, my courage up, I, I went to say yes. I said, sorry, the event is full. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things like that. Um, you know, when when um, you, you're a great help to me with marketing, no hassle newsletters and all the other things. And there, you know, every time we run a promotion, um, we do it pretty much with a three- to five-day window. And when that window closes, it's closed. And I... I believe in operating a business with integrity, so I don't want to say, hey, look, it ends Friday at midnight, and then Sunday someone says, can you have it? And you say, oh, sure. Next thing you know, you've got a reputation as somebody who's just willy-nilly. So if you wait and you don't make the five-day window, guess what? You're going to pay more. So 
that's just a couple examples of uh, how, how waiting can be detrimental. Okay, I think this is a great time to transition into where we want to go next. And this is something that I hear you talk about all the time in your Decide book. Uh, you mentioned this at the Dream Business Academy events, uh, including the ones we've done in San Diego, Annapolis, Philadelphia, Las Vegas, where I think they should all be held, but that's a separate conversation. And I know we have one coming up here in Orlando where I'm honored that you've invited me to present on book launches once again. You talk about a concept called Squishyville. Uh, mm. Tell us about where this Squishyville is, because I'm trying to find it on the map, and I don't think it's here in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, Squishyville is where entrepreneurs who have the inability to make a decision go. That's where they live. And if you were to look at really highly successful um, business people, um, you know, Dell, Gates, uh, you know, Branson, you name it, all the, none of those people are anywhere near Squishyville. They're very decisive. They make quick decisions. They move on. They're willing to risk. They're willing to invest, and they go. The people who are like, I just don't know. Um, I was talking with – actually, Adam, I was talking with somebody yesterday, and she was uh, – Asking about my coaching program, where we got, I, I just laid out over 20 minutes several things that we could do together that would significantly increase her business. And at the end, I just don't know. I'm going to have to think about it. And, and I'm not being disrespectful or judgmental, but in the end, there are there are some things that should be as clear as the nose on your face, and you say yes to, and you move forward. I mean, that's the very essence of entrepreneurship. But um, people who just can't make a decision, can't invest, or can't decide to move forward in anything, those people, that's, uh, that's a zip code called Squishyville, and that's where most of those people live. Yeah, isn't the, the zip code of Squishyville something like 0000? zero, 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 zero? <laughs> there you go. I didn't – I'll, I'll put <laughs> I'm going to put that in the next edition of the book. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it's it's five, it's five zeros, but there are no commas in that thing. It's just a a big zippo, big uh, a big nothing, nada. Uh, so we're in Squishyville. Uh, we're looking to get out of Squishyville right now. And as I, you know, I, I gotta tell you, I've been to Squishyville myself, and I think most entrepreneurs have at one point or another, where they found themselves uh, challenged to make a decision, worried about things that were going on. I mean, I'm familiar with downtown Squishyville. I've hung out there. And i got to tell you, it's one of those things that I'm really not looking to go back because it's one of those types of tourist attractions you really only need to see once to appreciate why you've seen all you need to see. But just seeing the people walking down the street very slowly with their heads bowed and their shoulders shrugged, uh, what I noticed is they seemed like they were carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. And I think they had this thing called head trash. So mm. tell us about head trash. And why it's so important you take out that trash to accelerate your head growth. trash. Head trash. By the way, every entrepreneur—I don't care who you are, even the the Bransons or Michael Dells that I mentioned earlier—everybody deals with some sort of head trash in some part of their life. I don't know if there's a perfect human being that just is so confident, one you know, 24/7, 100% of the time. But head trash is the little voice that everybody has that talks back to you. And just when you think you're getting yourself full of confidence, you're going to uh, invest in something or go, you know, become a speaker, maybe write a book, whatever it is that you're going to do, that little voice in your head says, you're not a writer. You never went to school for journalism or writing. What makes you think you're an author? What makes you think anybody's going to read your book? What a complete waste of time. <laughs> and by the way, there's people in our lives who will often vocalize that, but we all have head trash, and that's that little voice in your head that's that's uh, that's really holding you back. And, you know, I also describe in the book, Adam, it's called a 3 a.m. holy crap moment. And everybody's, most entrepreneurs have had one, or maybe you had one last night, or you're going to have one tonight. <laughs> but, you know, I picture this. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. It's dark. You're, you're laying in bed. You're looking up at the ceiling, and, and your eyes are wide open. You're going, holy crap, I haven't had a new client in six months. Holy crap, I haven't paid myself, and I own the dang business. Holy crap, um, I don't have my rent, for, and it's due in a week. I mean, holy crap, all these holy crap moments that we sometimes have when we're trying to get uh, traction for, and kind of grow a dream business. And what I suggest people do at that moment is to get out of bed, 
go into the bathroom and look in the mirror, and it's it's pretty hard actually to look at yourself eye to eye. It's some, something weird about it, but you look at the you look at the person in the mirror, make eye contact, and you even point, which is rude, but go ahead and point to yourself and say, "Why are you holding me back? Why are you not doing the things that you know need to be done so I can get this business off the ground and go to six figures, multiple six figures, or, or you know have a seven figure business like I know is possible? Why?" Are you holding me back? Because as many people as I've coached over the last um, seven or eight years, um, you, yeah, we, we 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 create some really great brands and marketing strategies and things like that. But by and by and large, almost everybody that I've worked with needs a little tweaking um, in the head trash and confidence department and how to overcome certain things that are. Um, holding them back, and so that's a really, really big thing. When I wrote the book Decide, it was the hardest, this number six for me, it was the hardest book I've written because it felt like I was laying on the therapist's couch because I've actually shared several of the things that were holding me back early on in my career, and I also share some of the things I did to get over them. So I'm very transparent. I, I had major head trash, major struggles. There were a lot of things that I knew I should be doing, uh, but I wasn't until you know I had a couple uh, moments of clarity uh, with, with some pretty uh, good coaches. Thank, thank the Lord. One of the blessings of my journey as an entrepreneur over the past 13 and a half years is I've shared almost 10 of them with you as a client. You're one of the longest-standing clients of my firm through its various iterations over the past. 13 years, which is fantastic. And I've been there for a lot of the evolution of your business. And when we did that exercise at Dream Business Academy, which I know you're going to do again in Orlando, uh, where you sort of get on the therapist couch and you share this side of what's gone on with you and uh, and everything, is it even blew me away because how, how do I put this directly? Man, I thought I knew you. <laughs> You know, Adam, uh, there's it just, what, it just goes to show that uh, you know we're showing our highlight reels, and everybody else is you know we're showing our highlight reels of the world, and we see everybody else's highlight reels, and we assume that uh, everything is bliss, but what we don't see other people uh, is we don't see what's on their cutting room floor. You know, I've been in business now 15 years, and I have probably. I'm just going to say I've been to 50 or 80 events and those different seminars, large, small, and everything in between. And, you know, I tend to pick up nuggets here and there. I'm, and, but by and large, after a while, I got the – I got the I got the feeling a little bit that they were there's a phoniness to them, like you say, uh, hey, you know, there's a speaker goes up says, you know, I was born under a bridge, I was homeless most of my life, and then I discovered this thing, and all you got to do is do this, and you're gonna have a million dollar business. And by the way, for 1997, I'll show you what that is. That that became the norm, I think, for a lot of online events. And when I uh, decided to do my own events, um, I wanted them to be very different. <clears throat> and one of the one of the several of the people actually that I coach and that I um mastermind with were have mentioned how transparent I am in, in those settings and they said that's what you ought to do at your event. You ought to share the good, the bad, the ugly. And I remember at my, my first event, which was in Vegas, there you go. <laughs> at least we had one there. And um I remember uh, there was a moment where it was the morning of the second day, and I started out sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly, and talked about some of the things where I was, and how much I talked about how much debt I had, and I talked about the head trash I had about that, and all these different things. And <clears throat> when I was teaching that, I looked out there, I saw three um, three grown men that had tears in their eyes as I was sharing some of this really, really intimate part of my life and um when I took a break after that session two of those people came up to me and said Jim thank you for sharing I'm right there now where you were and I feel you've given me what I need to do to keep on keeping on and you know I've made that a regular part of my event and it continues to be I've even expanded and share even more because it's pretty hard to stand in front of a group of people and kind of talk about what a loser you were and that's the head trash talking that that terminology right. I just used but you know what I mean it, it, it's hard but I think that's why um, that's why Dream Business Academy continues to grow and sell out is because it's a very different event and um, I think when you can really make a connection with people and just get real and transparent and share yeah we got a lot of good things you know the 
talk about what a dream business is and the million-dollar platform, but I also want people to know it's not easy. Um, in fact, I'm going to talk about that person that I talked to yesterday, a potential coaching member, said, how quickly can I make money? What's the first thing we're going to do? Or what are the, can you tell me one, two, or three things we're going to do in the first couple of months? And I said, no. <laughs> and I took her by I took her by surprise. She goes, Well what do you mean? I said I said, Would you ever call a doctor and describe what you have and ask him to phone in something? I said, I have nowhere even begun to do enough of a diagnosis on your business and where you are and where you want to be, let alone for me to find any hidden opportunities that might actually be better than what you think you want to do. <laughs> so I just go down that route and I said, and by the way, if you're talking to other potential coaches and someone could promise you that I would run as fast as I can in the other direction because it's it's unethical, it's immoral, and it's frankly not realistic. There are, there are no magic bullets. And, you know, I think one of the true essences of a dream business, whether you're product or service related, it is built on powerful relationships that you have with your customers, yeah. clients, and patients. And whether you just meet somebody I mean, imagine if you just met somebody and you kind of had that pitter-patter feeling. He's like, wow, I think I could really have a relationship. God forbid I want to get married and have kids. Imagine if you vocalized what you were thinking. That person's going to run in the other direction. Well, it's the same thing with a lot of people. Hey, I'm Jim. Do you want to hire me and pay me all kinds of money? I mean, it's not in that, and you picture that in anybody's business. Relationships take time, so. I'm very candid about that. I've, I said the only. By the way, I'll, I'm going to share uh, with you and your listeners, Adam. I'll tell you the the line that I use, and I call it a line. It almost seems uh, uh, wrong, like a pickup line. It's not that. It's actually the truth. I said so. I really don't know how quickly you'll be making money with this idea. I don't even know if it's the right idea for you. The only thing I can guarantee you is if you go through this journey with me, it will be awesome and excellent. And there's over 60 people that have uh, graciously provided testimonials on my website, and you can read them all. I've written none of them. Um, and so all I know is i got a good track record. I'm really good at what I do, but I don't know what the end result's going to look like for you. So it is a little bit of a leap of faith, but thankfully through uh, that powerful testimonial page, it really shouldn't be that hard of a decision. Now, That's can right. I pause for a second? I want to I want to share with you because you and I got such a history, and what I just gave you was some friggin' gold. And that stuff that I would tell my coaching members, and I usually don't talk like that on a on an interview, but if you just take what I just said there and apply it to your own business and how you're dealing with prospective clients, it's so much. It's it's very very powerful. And one of the reasons it's powerful is it's candid and it's completely honest. And and operating within full integrity. I want to put a bookmark there because we're going to come back to this. It's one of the next three questions we're going to go through, which may be the last three, or we may have a little bit more time. Let's see how, we're, let's see how we do here. Uh, these next three questions are things that our listeners have shown me through the past three years just by the questions they ask, how they respond to our various other guests, some of the things they highlighted, some of their favorite aspects of some of our previous and even some of our upcoming episodes, we've uh, already had people say for some of our upcomings when they see on the website, hey, you're going to be covering this, you're going to be covering this. And these are some things that actually do come up frequently, and I think they get to the core or the heart of the entrepreneurial dilemma. So inside the Ultimate Success Trigger, again, one of my favorite business books, one of your chapters is about the need to be perfect. Now, uh, is it important to be perfect, or should you be aiming for something else? Or, I, I mean, isn't perfection the goal? No, it's not. Well, well, the way you phrase that is actually a double-edged sword. Your your goal yeah. is to is to do great work. Your goal is not to do perfect work because honestly, I don't think there is any such thing. Uh, and you know, let's take book writing for example. When you know, I wrote my first book in a year and a half. I actually wrote the book in a year, and it took me six months of multiple editors and asking tons of people to proofread it because, God forbid, I put my first book out. It's got my name right on the cover. I certainly don't want to look like a boob who can't put two sentences together without a missing comma. I mean, that was that was the head trash in my head. I wrote my last two books, uh, Stop Waiting for It to Get Easier and Decide, in 60 Days. I started writing them, and they were live uh, you know, for sale within 60 days. And here's the thing. Um, perfection is actually not only an inhibitor to growth. It can be a dream killer. 
And because the people who are striving for, for, for perfection, they have a problem with criticism, ultimately. It's not so much that they're seeing themselves as not perfect. They're worried about people, whether it's family, friends, clients, prospective clients. They're worried about what people are going to say if they do see uh, a, a book, special report or something. And let's say it's S-O-N instead of S-U-N or something like that. And they're going to think, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not going to be worthy of them hiring me. And, and that's, again, that's head trash and it's crap because nobody's perfect. Um, I'll share with you another one. I feel like I'm very giving mood today. I'm going to share with you a strategy uh, that you can uh, use and your listeners can use on how to get over being perfect. Okay, do you want that? Yeah, I would love that. Okay, here's the deal, and I'm not saying it's easy, but this is what you need to do. You make a conscious decision that you are going to Choose to be judged for the quality of the content and the value of the information that you're providing and not the imperfect way in which you're providing it. So for me, I have gotten comfortable knowing that my books, my videos, the interviews that I do, all the different ways that I share content, my podcasts, all of that, I know full well uh, it's got imperf- every single episode. I'm sure I've said the wrong thing here just in this interview. I'm sure my books uh, have some uh, miscalculated words, bad grammar or something like that. Um, but it's okay because my books are full of great information on how to market and grow a more profitable business faster. I choose to be judged on that and not the imperfect way. Um, that And by the way, people will uh, let you know. You, the whole world is your proofreader because as soon as your book launches, somebody's going, hey, Jim, did you know on page 138 uh, you have a dangling participle? <laughs> and that actually happened to me. And yeah. fortunately, I, I had no idea what a dangling participle was. <laughs> but anyway, people will point out your mistakes, but, you know, Oh, you, and, and what I what I said to that person, it, it was in an email. I said, "Well, thanks for pointing that out. By the way, how did you like the book?" And he responded, "Got a lot of information. Thank you." So he got value out of it. He just wanted to point out my dangling participle. <laughs> Your dangling participle. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> that 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 tells you something about where some people's minds are in the gutter. Dangling participle. Come on. <laughs> uh, but you know, that. that that is so true, and I and you know what I've seen happen uh, a lot of times is, uh, and I've seen this with clients of mine, is they'll have something go out in their marketing, and somebody will write back to them and say, oh, I found a typo here. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, I'm a proofreader, and I'd be willing to go over all your materials. So when somebody gives me unsolicited advice like that, it is quote-unquote constructive criticism, and, I, that, and that's a phrase I hate, constructive criticism, because... If you have to qualify it, then it's probably not welcome to begin with, in my personal view, is uh, when I see a lot of this so-called constructive criticism, I say, but, or, and, because I'm waiting for the pitch that comes afterwards. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, I, used to, I, I used to do business with somebody whose way of attracting prospects was to go criticize their stuff and then say, oh, and I can fix that for you. It's like, uh, Yeah, don't, don't you love ever- that? Don't ever put my name on that. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I've been doing uh, weekly videos for over five years, and um, I remember I was into my—I think it was my second year when we, um, uh, you know, we had uh, our first rescue dog, Toby, little Beagle Bassett, and um, Toby was a. People loved to have Toby in the videos. He'd go in my kayak with me, or we'd go for walks, and I always kind of brought him in there. There was one video <clears throat> where I was shooting, and I was I was kind of I think I was down on my knees, and Toby was right there because otherwise he wouldn't be in the shot because he's down at my feet. And um, somebody wrote uh, Adam this email that he sent me had to take a half an hour to write. It was like multiple big paragraphs, but the essence of it was you shouldn't use your dog as a prop. Um, and he also said, and I can hear Toby breathing. That's very distracting. And he and he also said, by the way, Jim, when you look at Toby, that's being disrespectful to your viewer because you're not looking at the camera. And I'm like, first of all, I was astonished somebody would actually write all of that. But you know, here's the thing: on on average, when I put out my videos, twelve to fifteen hundred people 
watch those videos. So I'm quite sure, uh, probably out of 1,500, I'm quite sure 1,472 people are liking the information. And, you know, whatever the math is, 27 people are probably going, oh, my gosh, he, his camera's shaky and he, and he can't even look straight. So that's okay. Yeah, you know, uh, and we've had this conversation as well. Uh, the advice for when you do interviews like this one on podcasts and Internet radio shows or when you do uh, episodes of things like Dream Biz Coach TV is you take your pets and you put them in a separate room and you close the door so they can't interrupt. Uh, first of all, no, I have two cats here, as our listeners know, and nobody puts those babies in the corner because they will scream at the top of their lungs and paw and, and jump and, you know, until, they're, until they're let in, number one. Number two, uh, you know, listeners of this particular thing, the Business Creators Radio Show, will sometimes hear their callers jingling in the background like you hear right this second if you're listening closely because they're, they're wrestling on the floor here. Sometimes one of them will meow right into the microphone. Uh, you and I have done video interviews for your audience where my cat has jumped right in front of me while I was speaking. And you know my yep. thought on that is? My thought is they're my personal assistants. They, they live here, and that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, I'm more concerned with the people that are going to look at that and they're going to say, isn't that awesome, the way that man loves his cat? Isn't that great? We have somebody out there who's advocating for animals. And, I'm going to, and those are the people I'm going to focus on because they are prepared to receive my gifts at the intersection of brilliance and passion, whereas the naysayers are just going to keep neighing. You know, um, so t we'll just put a uh, we'll we'll put a button or a bow on this uh, topic of being perfect. Yes. But I, I was remembering one other thing because I mentioned um, you know book writing. One of my uh, VIP clients just launched a book. I'm not going to mention the name, but um, one of the things that was holding this person back for at least a month from pushing the go button was fear of criticism, and. W I actually had to um, do a – I'm not going to call it an intervention, but one of our calls was strictly focused on that because I, I, all my magic wasn't working, and I said, let's talk about this. What I ended up finding out, Adam, was uh, this person's – they were worried about uh, their family. And I said, that's interesting. And, I, and then I, I kind of diagnosed it, and this is, what I, this is what I figured out. And I think this is not uncommon, by the way. Your family, as much as they love you and support you, they see you for who they have always known you to be, whether it's a child or, or brother, sister, cousin, father, mother, whatever it is. They know you for who you are, and you, uh, in your entrepreneurial world, you're an entrepreneur, growing, thriving, you're putting yourself out there, marketing yourself in an aggressive way. They don't see you that way. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you... If you've seen an interview with maybe one of your celebrities that you like, whether it's a music person or, or movie star, and you, they talk yeah. about their kids, and, well, my kids just see me as mom and dad, and we say, well, that's kind of hard. They're, look who they are. But it's the same thing in business, um, that your family sees you for who you are and not who you are either currently in your business or who you're aspiring to be. And so the, the, here's the real magic. Your family is not your target customer. So as much as you love and support them and they love and support you, their opinion doesn't count when it comes to your business and how you market yourself. Right. Yeah, and, uh, and, 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 and I've discovered that over time, not only with myself and with others. We love our families and we love our friends and everything, but we also recognize that they view us through the lens of, I'm your mother, I'm your father, I'm your sister, I'm your son, I'm your daughter, I'm your aunt, I'm your uncle, your cousin, what have you. They don't view you through the lens of, uh, I'm that person who's going to hire you, or I'm that person who you're going to hire. They just don't see it that way because that's not how they're programmed to see it. Uh, I have on my personal Facebook, I have uh, a lot of pretty much all my clients. I have all the people that are in my prospect poll. I have all my orbiters and the people that I orbit. I have my friends in business, allies in business, and I also have pretty much all my family and friends who are on the blue book, and uh, and I've, in two cases, had to make clear to somebody because they wanted to post something on my wall or, or start some conversation about something, and I had to delete, and I said, look, uh, uh, my presence on Facebook is for my clients first. Yep. Uh, you know, I, 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 I know how that sounds, 
but this is part of my marketing. This is not part of you know me just goofing off. This is an important piece of my personal avatar, so I have to hold it at a certain level, and I know what I want to attract, and I know what I want to repel. Uh, I certainly don't want to attract what you just posted, so we have to kind of keep that one offline, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. Uh, now, we're kind of already going into the next point here, so I think we still have a little bit more to say about it, because uh, you've written about how entrepreneurs should be their authentic self all the time. So let's define that clearly. I know we've already kind of moved in that direction. Well, people know who they are, and then I think when you're an entrepreneur, you're going out there and presenting yourself, doing sales meetings, whatever, You, we tend to put on this persona. Uh, some people, If you're a new entrepreneur, you've probably heard the term fake it till you make it. And yeah. you know, I, I don't have a problem with that personally as long as you're being an integrity. So, But when I discovered the true essence of um, – being your authentic self is when I started doing the videos. I did them for, I was about five or five months in or so. I was attracting maybe three viewers, probably you, my mother, <laughs> somebody else. Right. And um, I wasn't getting traction because I thought that if I'm going to be on camera giving business advice, um, I should be somewhat serious. Now, I was doing videos in my yard, in my kayak, just because I thought it would be different to have some some entertaining component mean and entertaining I mean meaning I'm not sitting at my desk or just standing in front of a bookshelf full of books so I look studious you know so I did that right. but I never really kind of let loose I'm a pretty jovial individual <laughs> I like to laugh and but anyway I was shooting this video and I said hey on today I was I was right by the lake and I had my kayak and I remember this clearly I said um, hey, today I'm going to talk to you about action versus ideas. And I said, but let me, uh, I'm getting ready to go for a paddle. And I kind of turned the camera. I said, there's my boat. I'll be back with you in a second. So I go down to get in my boat, and I have a little tripod where the camera goes and the cup holder in the front of the cockpit there. And I remember I slipped on um, that green mossy crap by the rocks, and I fell in the water. And I think it was April, so it was fairly chilly. And so I get in the boat. Now I'm wet. I held my camera up in the air so that didn't get damaged. And uh, so I'm paddling along. And, and I want to talk to you about ideas versus action. See, everybody's got ideas, but there's far too many people are willing to take action on their ideas. And the little voice in my head, instead of criticizing me, said, hey, Jim, tell them what just happened. And I'm like, by the way, um, i got to share this with you. Uh, you know, getting in my boat here, I slipped, I'm wet, it's actually rather chilly, but you know what, the show must go on, and I think I smiled and I went on with the show. Well, that video all of a sudden started getting likes and comments and everything from, oh, Jim, did anybody film it? Maybe we'll see it on Funniest Home Videos. And not that, I don't think I got any comments, hey, brilliant idea, Jim, ideas versus action. It was all about me <laughs> just being real, like, you know, some goofball that fell in the lake. And so from that moment on, I just started letting loose about more about who I was, really. And, um, and I think when you are your true authentic self, so most times if I'm not at my own event or some other event, I'm, I'm in a T-shirt in the summer and sweatshirt in, in the winter. It's how I run my business, thankfully. And so that's who I am. And um, so anyway, I think if the bottom – there's also an expression that you've heard this, the truth shall set you free. And so if yeah. you don't have to remember what audience you're in front of or what your story is, just be who you are you will end up attracting like-minded people. And if you just go to my events, you're going to find some really nice people. Um, and and you'll all, you're also going to repel some people. There's clearly people who like to market and grow a business differently. Maybe they make too many bold promises that turn out to be hype. That's not me. They don't hang out in my orbit, as you say. And so you'll repel people. But it's very freeing, and it's actually liberating when you just be yourself. That's great, and this kind of leads to the third of the three points that we were going to go through, as I mentioned a few moments ago. Uh, you also talk about the importance of being immune to criticism. This is something that's hard for a lot of people, and for my first three, few years in business, I really struggled with this, and it became a real challenge for me when I got to this one point where I actually attracted a hater, somebody who would follow me around on LinkedIn and post these diatribes about how I was wrong about absolutely everything. Uh, I'm not going to spend any more time on that person because I'm still in business and they're not, ha, 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 uh, but they're not even worth my time beyond that, just to mention that it happened. 
So when you have challenges with being immune to criticism or when you let criticism affect you, how do you overcome that? Well, I kind of already gave the answer with the you choose to be judged on the value and 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 not uh-huh. and not the imperfect way because that I mean that goes being perfect the reason people fear not being perfect goes to uh you're going to attract criticism so they kind of go hand in hand but um so yeah. we won't go into this in a big way because again I think I answered that but one one expression I like to use is the higher up the flagpole you go the more your butt's going to hang out. Now, what that means is the higher up you climb on the ladder of success, um, you're, you know, people that are down the bottom, which is where the great most people are, they're going to be looking up, looking at your butt. So anyway, there's a. Let me finish the the close the loop there. The higher up the flagpole you go, the more your butt's going to hang out. But it's okay because the view is so much better up there. So just recognize haters are going to hate. Criticizers are going to criticize, and I'm going to run my own business, and I'm going to be darn successful doing it. That's that's great. Uh, now, going along with all three of these points is something I'm not sure if we've completely covered it, but I want to make sure we emphasize it. There are a lot of entrepreneurs out there, and I've spoken with people about this, and this is a fear that people have, that they get too famous that somebody's going to rear their head or they're, they're going to point out that embarrassing thing that you did 10 years ago. Or let's say even now you have something happen in your life that's just not your finest hour, and you're so afraid that's going to get out. And if you want to think that's not a justified fear, all you have to do is look at what passes for news in this day and age, which seems to be all about finding people's you know, flaws and finding these things to embarrass them with and, get, and zing them with gotchas and things like that. Now, I think every human being has done something embarrassing or had something that wasn't exactly their finest hour or found themselves in a situation that kind of contradicts the image that they're presenting now or the person that they are now. What do you say to them when that holds them back from moving forward? You know, if you do read the book, Decide, and actually, if you remind me, I'm going to give your listeners a chance to get a free copy of that, but if you do read the book, Decide, um, you will learn that one of the things, one of my 3M holy crap moments that was holding me back was people that do what I do, coaching and running multiple businesses, they're often speakers. And I, I hated with a passion the thought of being in front of a group of people, whether it was 10 people, 100, or 1,000. And I knew I needed to get over that. One of the things I did, I remember talking with a professional, I'll just call it that, and yeah. he ran me through this exercise which said, and I, I express my fear, like suppose I get in front of the room and you know I freeze. I don't know what to say. Every he says, "What? What do you think would happen? Let's 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 really talk about that. What do you think it would look like?" I said, "Well, in my head, I'm standing there. I'm red faced. My knees are buckling. My voice is quivering, and people are pointing and laughing. I mean, talk about head trash. That's like really painting a vivid picture, right?" And he goes, "Suppose that does happen. What happens next?" And I said, well, I guess I get off the stage and go home. He says, is your wife and kids still there? Yeah. Do they still love you? Yeah. Does God still love you? Yeah. And he went all the – so how really bad is it that you were embarrassed? And it's funny. I described the worst part of what I felt would be this horrible thing, right? And, you know, in the end, do you keep living? Do you keep surviving? Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I've embarrassed myself probably every hour, every day. So suppose it's on a grand scale, I'll still go home, my wife will still love me, my kids will still love me, and I'll still keep growing. So that was one of the steps that this person helped me get over my fear of public speaking um, because I was worried about uh, embarrassment and things like that. And, you know, when I put on my first live event, I remember getting in front of a group of people, and guess what? Turns out I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> Turns out people yeah. loved it. Turns out I got a standing ovation at the end of the third day, and I said, man, I can't wait to do my next one. So I don't know. I, hopefully that helps. Man, you're you're digging out some really personal stuff here. Well, uh, I, fo- I found that it's the inner game that often influences the outer game or drives the outer game. Uh, you know, We hear in the media these days about all these hot mic moments, and I got to tell you, and I'm going to tell the audience, I had one of those happen to me about 10 years ago. I was at an event, and I guess I was hanging out with a couple of my buddies there, and I went on this sort of comedic rant that was full of, shall we say, naughty words. 
Well, it turns out somebody was filming that, and next thing you know, somebody's showing me this video of myself letting out a string of cuss words. Now, somebody say, oh, my God, what have I just done? I, 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 need, to, I need to post a, an, an apology letter, and I, and I need to reach out and make sure that people still are going to, you know, you know uh, 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 what have I done? And, but it just, I had this moment of calm, and I just sort of chuckled and said, yeah, that's me. Now, yep. the end of it, because uh, what, I, what I decided to embrace in that moment, I could have embraced the energy of what a horrible person am I and how embarrassing is that, or, but instead I chose to embrace the energy of, hey, I'm just a guy. That's right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go do it again, but it happened this time, so I might as well just own it and love it. There you go. Own it and love it. That's who you yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, well, not every day, just once. But uh, normally, <laughs> normally I'm just a crazy cat guy. But uh, uh, one of your book chapters is called Delegate or Stay Small. And this is something you and I have gone back and forth on for about 10 years now as pertains to my business. I have a thought on it. You have a thought on it. Uh, you, however, the subject matter expert here today, so we want to hear your point on it. Uh, Delegate or Stay Small. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think my initial title and my editor thought it was too uh, harsh was Delegate or Die. <laughs> or I said, what about Delegate or Stay Small Forever? <laughs> he said, I think I'll we'll go with this. But um, here's the thing. Most uh, small business owners, when you start a business, like on day one, you have either a skill or a talent. Maybe you have a product you're selling, whatever it is. You sell your first one. You get hired to do something. You're, now suddenly you're a business with revenue. Let's say over the months and years to come, you, you get more clients, and now you're, you're busy doing what it is your core skill is. But, you know, you also, when you get your first uh, client, your first paycheck, you better set up QuickBooks or whatever it is. You got other things to do, and we wear multiple hats. There is a point at which... If you're going to keep growing, uh, you've got to shed those hats and keep focusing on what I call high revenue generating activity, which is focusing on your your uh, core skill or talent. So delegation is absolutely essential. And what holds most small business owners back is the old line, I, nobody can do it as, as well or as cheaply or as fast as I can. And that may be true. But if you are doing, let's just say um, you've got to clean up your mailing list. You've got to go through and, and add some new customers or delete some kind of a task-oriented thing. If you can hire somebody for $20 or even $30 an hour like a virtual assistant to do that for you, but you choose to do that work yourself, you are worth 20 or 30 bucks an hour. You're only worth the money that you're either bringing in or that you're putting out. So... There's a there's a pretty simple formula that says if you want to earn a million dollars a year and you're going to work 50 weeks a year and 50 hours a week, you have to bring in $400 an hour. That's what you need to do to generate a million dollars in revenue. Now, if you're a, if you're a coach or if you're doing anything that's, you know, related to your core skill, hopefully you're going to make that or get close to that and and you'll be fine but if you spend your time doing task oriented things that can be delegated and hired out uh you are holding yourself back and and this is the the biggest leap of faith for most small business owners because it very much feels like you're putting the cart before the horse when you hire out and what i tell people to do is start small don't hire a full-time person with benefits and all this and that hire a virtual assistant for let's even say five hours a week and let's say you hire somebody for five hours a week and you're going to pay them let's just pay them 25 dollars an hour that is um that's 500 bucks okay that's 500 bucks a month now imagine that same entrepreneur who every time they talk to their coach or whatever says hey did you get this done no i haven't had time because your to-do list is big, and there's the important stuff at the top and everything else falling down below. But every day you come into work and you're putting out fires, the latest emergency, the latest delivery that didn't get done, whatever it is. But imagine if you suddenly delegated even some of that and you found yourself with five hours this week and five hours next week. And the week after that, do you think maybe your book could get done? Do you think you'd finally post your blog, which you haven't touched in six months? Do you think you'd shoot a video? Do you think you'd call on some prospective customers and follow up with people that you met at an event? All of that stuff 
can be done. And when, when you do that type of activity and suddenly you do grow your business because you take on another client or two, guess what? You're now paying for the virtual assistant. So it very much is putting the cart before the horse, but so so is it when you started your business, whether you had to buy a computer or a business license or whatever it is, you put money out before you had money coming in. You've got to do it again. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, delegate or stay small. Now, I see people who listen to something like you just said or go to some conference or join some coaching program, uh, which there are many great ones out there, and they say, and they're told, delegate. So next thing you know, they need, uh, okay, well, I need a VA, I need a social media person, I need a webmaster, I need all this. So they just go and hire all these people without having any idea of where they strategically fit. I've also seen people who run you know, businesses that bring in $25 million a year. These people have net worths of over $100 million a year, people I know personally, and their team consists of six people. So uh, I would argue that it's not just a matter of delegating, but it's how you delegate and being smart about how you delegate. Uh, you may have a business that just doesn't need a web person because you only have one website and your virtual assistant knows everything that's necessary about updating it and keeping it running. Uh, that's one example. Or there are some folks, and I believe uh, Larry Winget comes to mind as an example of this, where they do their own social media because they like to be in touch. So it's just a matter of what matters to you and where you feel that uh, delegation is best. And as Larry said, and I think he said this actually on the Business Creators Radio Show when we interviewed him, if I remember correctly, I believe the reason he said that he loves to do his own social media is because this is how he can have his own finger on the pulse of what his audience needs and wants. Yep, I agree with that. There's no, there's no filter. It's just him and his audience there. Now, he delegates just about everything else. But the social media, he does himself for that reason because it's so critical to his ability to serve the world in his view. And that's a perfectly appropriate approach, in my opinion. Uh, one final thing we want to cover here. Uh, you've also said that wealth rewards risk and wealth rewards speed. Tell us a little bit about that. I love this. I love this so much. Wealth creation uh, is reserved for people who not only provide immense value, but they do it quickly and deliberately, and they're willing to put skin in the game. So um, in my book, I talk about three types of investments uh, as it relates to being an entrepreneur. And so you have your savings account entrepreneur, you have a stock market entrepreneur, and you have a casino entrepreneur. Um, a savings account entrepreneur is the least uh, person who is, is the person who is least willing to risk anything. So it's somebody who says, well, I've got $2,000. I'm going to start my business. As business grows, as revenue comes in, I'll take a portion of that and I'll keep growing and I'm going to grow from there. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying you're going to be taking 20 years to really grow a business if you're not willing to borrow or, or put more money in the game to market and grow faster because you can, without a shred of doubt, you can purchase speed. So in a savings account, just to complete this loop here, in that example, if you take that 2000 and you put it in your local savings bank, it's guaranteed by the federal government to be safe. So you can go back in 10 years and you're, you'll get your $2,000 back and you're going to get $1.29 in interest. The reason the interest is so low is because there's no risk. It's guaranteed. Now, if you put, put that $2,000 in the stock market, uh, there is a little bit of risk. You could actually lose the principal if the entire system collapses. It's very, very rare, and every 10-year period from now back to the early 1900s shows an average of 5 7 maybe even 10% gain. So there's a little bit of risk, but there's a greater reward. If you're uh, a stock market entrepreneur, I'm willing to risk. I'm willing to put money in and go exhibit at this conference. It's going to cost me $5,000 for the booth. I've got to buy a ticket. I've got to create a booth. I'm going to do all this and that. I'm putting ten grand on the line. I have no idea if it's going to work. If it works, it's going to work big or, or average, or maybe it doesn't work, but I'm willing to risk it and put skin in the game. That's what successful people do. And the, the uh, casino entrepreneur is the one who is most willing to put everything, what I call, he's willing to take their chips and push them all into the center of the table and bet big on themselves. One of the examples I, I talk about is uh, Fred Smith, who founded Federal Express in the late 70s. Yeah. In the middle of the Iranian oil embargo and gas prices and everything else, he started his overnight letter 
delivery system. It wasn't doing packages originally. Now, he lost millions and millions and millions of dollars monthly until this thing caught hold. And the reason Fred didn't prove his system and his theory of the spoke spoken wheel delivery system. He didn't test it out first by buying some used Cessna planes and flying them around Tennessee, Arkansas, and Kentucky. He bought DC-9 jets. He had a pilot and co-pilot in each plane, ground crews, delivery vans. He put everything on the line to get this thing working. That is what I would call a casino operator. And you got to figure out where you are uh, in your business. So that that's how it speaks to wealth rewards risk. How wealth rewards speed? Absolutely. The people who are moving the quickest are going to score first, and they're going to score more often. And this kind of goes back to the slow, methodical, squishyville comment. Um, when you put stuff out there in a big way and do it quickly and, and just keep putting it out there, those are the people, um, by and large, that are doing really well, even in, in crappy economies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what I, I accidentally allowed to be heard slightly in the background is I was just navigating to the website for Dream Business Academy in Orlando, Florida, February 8th through 10th, 2017 in Orlando. And this is something I don't mind spending 30 seconds on because not only is it your event, but I'll be on your stage Thursday afternoon. Uh, give us three reasons real quick why everybody who's listening right now needs to go to dreambizacademy.com and join us. Unless you already have a dream business that is um, just, you know, let me describe what a dream business is, and then you'll know if you have one or not. So a dream business continues to grow, even during a crappy economy. It has multiple streams of revenue. It becomes an asset for worry-free retirement. It's always firing on all cylinders. It's fun to operate. It provides the lifestyle that you want to live, and it allows you to give back and make a difference in the lives of others. That's the general kind of umbrella view of what a dream business is, in, in my opinion. And then you can put your own overlay on that. So, for example, my dream business already does all of those things. But the other thing that I put on is I want to be able to operate my business anywhere I am, including my boat. I want to do all my calls, interviews, and things like that on three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, so I'm technically off Monday and Friday. And there's a few other things that my dream business does, but if you don't have a business like that um, where it's absolutely providing you not only financial freedom but time freedom, then you need to go to Orlando and, um, and come to this event. We will absolutely show you with complete candor and transparency and uh, honesty, uh, we'll show you the million-dollar blueprint, how I've marketed and grown my businesses, how I do it today. Um, I have some phenomenal speakers. Uh, some of them are my team members, like Adam, who are going to show you a number of different things. I'll give you the, the quick rundown now. My good friend Bob Berg is the co-author of the Go-Giver series. Yep. He's going to do a presentation called um, How to Get Endless Referrals the Go-Giver Way. Melanie Benson, just a, an amazing, amazing talent, and she is really uh, all over uh, the book Decides, my personal mindset coach. She's going to teach you how to optimize your money DNA and develop your millionaire mindset. My good friend Michelle Prince, she is uh, the founder of BookBound. She's going to teach you how to get your book done. Our buddy Gary George is going to talk about the latest in Facebook marketing. Jessica Rhodes, how to rock the podcast from both sides of the mic. Um, some guy named Adam Homie is going to talk about how to do a launch, product launch, book launch. Lindsay Anderson is going to talk about um, how to create some amazing uh, landing pages. I also have Marty McDonald, the founder of Bad Rhino, going to talk about social media in 2017. And somebody that I'm just adding, actually, as you and I are doing this interview, uh, Carmen Torres, one of my VIP members, has a company. She is called My HR Specialist, and she's going to talk about um, how to keep your nose out of court, or on your nose, how to keep yourself out of court as it relates to employees versus 1099 contractors and how to discipline and let go of employees without finding yourself in court. We cover everything. We do a lot of profit seats. I think last time we did 22 profit seats where people get up and get their business kind of transformed uh, with the help of myself and the audience members. So thanks for the uh, chance to mention all that, but it's a, it's a phenomenal event. All right. We have 30 seconds left. You said you had a gift for us before we wrap up. Yeah, so if you want to get a copy of Decide, uh, you can go to Decide for Success book.com decide for successbook.com 
Um, you can get a free copy. This is not a PDF or any Kindle. It's an actual paperback book. We will mail it to you within 24 hours of you placing the order. Uh, the book is free. We just ask you to pay $6.95 for uh, shipping and handling. If you're listening to us uh, overseas or uh, somewhere other than the United States, it's still $6.95. We'll we'll cover all the all the uh, freight that's required to get the book to you. So just go to decideforsuccessbook.com. Woo! And I tell you, we are right at the top of the hour, and we're about to run out of time here. So let me just say, Jim Palmer, Dream Business Coach, thank you so much. It's been an honor and an education today. My pleasure, Adam. Thanks for having me on. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Have a great day. Take care.